Swamiji, through these conversations, it seems that the best way to live is drawing God's grace into your life. And can you talk a little bit about meditation and the benefits of it? Yes. It's the most important thing we can do to get ourselves in tune with God. Meditation differs from prayer in that prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening for his answer. And we should spend some time every day, at least half an hour, or let me say even at least an hour and a half. But I'm willing to bargain. Five minutes is better than nothing. And you spend five minutes or so brushing your teeth to do keep your teeth clean, why not spend a little bit of time with God every day? In a culture where experimentation is such an important thing, why not experiment with this thought? Offer a little bit of your life to God. See if that doesn't bring you blessings. So meditation, really, um, it becomes addictive <laughs> in the sense, not of a drug, because it enlightens you. You become more full of joy and uh, Everything takes on meaning if you meditate. And the impetus for meditation is love. You want to think about that which you love. You know, when I was trying to think, what is God? I didn't know if God existed. And I couldn't accept the God that the churches gave me. And I found that every path that I sought, because I was seeking truth, without God, it didn't, it was a a string that wouldn't tie the package. I needed something more. And finally, I thought about what is God? I came to realize He is consciousness. Because I'm conscious, He is consciousness. And then I must try to tune myself, to open myself to His consciousness. Meditation is opening yourself to that consciousness so that the more you can receive of that, the more fulfilled you become in your own life. God is bliss. God is absolute awareness. God is everything that we want. And the more we attune ourselves to him, the more we have everything that we want. And that even means success in life. Swami, does consciousness, this may sound a little strange, but does consciousness have a structure? Is there a way to create more consciousness in a structure? It does not have a structure. Consciousness is beyond structure. God is beyond form, and he is formless. So therefore, the consciousness of God has no form. Thoughts about God may have form. We may, the dogmas have form. We're going beyond form when we think of God. But there are, there are aspects to that, that consciousness. Love is one. Bliss is certainly the main one. Wisdom, etc., etc. So if we want to take the benefits that we accrue or that come to us from meditation out into the rest of our day, how can we do that? It would help you to pause every, every half hour or so and just think of God a little bit. You'll find finally that it becomes a habit. One thing that uh, um, you can do is think of you and everything that you do, share with him. But don't think of him in the third person. Think of him as a being to whom you can, with whom you can communicate. You'll find his guidance there. And you'll find that behind things, you'll always feel the presence of God there. So that he's in everything and beyond everything.
that I and thou relationship yes. is very sweet then. Yes. Swamiji, would you tell us Yogananda's story about the boy and his Well, buffalo? that's a, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good one. I forestalled you in saying yes when you hadn't <laughs> finished your question, but um, it was in my mind also that when we meditate, we should try to meditate to the point where we become one with what we're meditating on, become one with God, become one with His bliss. And there's a story Yogananda told about this boy who came to a guru and asked him to help him to meditate, and the guru told him to practice a mantra, and he, he, he came back and admitted failure. He said, I couldn't do it because I kept thinking of somebody's just given me a pet buffalo, and I'm always thinking about this buffalo. So the uh, guru said, well, that, in that case, meditate on the buffalo. Well, there's a certain fallacy in that story because meditation is concentration on God or one of his aspects. And in fact, literally, buffaloes are an aspect of God, but you can't really think of a buffalo as God. But that's a minor point. The point of the story is he went off and thought about his buffalo, and the guru came to him and said to him a few days later, what are you doing? And he said, well, my buffalo and I are playing together. And uh, um, a little later, he, he said, well, uh, how are your buffalo and you doing now? What do you mean? I am the buffalo. <laughs> and he said, well, now you can come out. How can I? My horns are too big. They won't go through the door. <laughs> and so what, whatever, we, whatever we concentrate on, we should concentrate on it till we become that. And in fact, if you concentrate that way, there isn't anything you can't do. I remember so many times in my life, concentrating on a thing, I was able to do it. Concentrating on a thing, I was able to understand how to do it. So, Swami, what is restlessness then? I think many people struggle with restlessness when they're beginning to meditate or try. Well, restlessness is monkey consciousness. In the first chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna rebels against having to fight against his own lower nature. He said, it's, they're my own relatives. And he sa it says there, the monkey standard slipped from his hand. That meant his spine. And the monkey standard, because the mind, the monkey mind, restless mind, thinking about all these other things. And uh, when you hoist the monkey standard, you become state, spine, concentrated, and so on. Mm -hmm. Many swamis in India carry what they call a danda, a, a straight stick, which they reminds them to keep their spine straight. Did Yogananda admonish us to always keep our spines oh, straight? Oh, yeah. And I always saw him that way. And I, he used to carry a cane because in the West it would look sort of strange to have a danda, but that was his danda. Swamiji, he, he also said living for God is martyrdom. Can you explain that? Well, you have to give up all your desires. You have to give up all your identifications. You have to get rid of all your ego identity. I am a man, I am a woman, I am rich, I am poor, I'm an American, I'm a German, I'm an Indian. All of these things have to be overcome. You have to realize that God is everything. And uh, so we have to get rid of 
that thought of ego, our desires are the main thing that hold us. They're vortices. In India, uh, Patanjali, the great exponent of yoga, he defined yoga as yoga chitta vritti nirudha, which is yo yoga union is neutralizing the the vortices of feeling. Feeling is the main thing. You, uh, let's say you see a horse in a mirror. You don't know it's a horse until your intellect comes in and says, oh, that's a horse. Then your ego comes in and says, oh, that's my horse. Even so, you, may, you have to be responsible for what you own. But when the heart comes in and says, oh, how happy I am to see my horse, that is the beginning of real delusion. So your delusions begin with feeling, and your enlightenment comes with calming those feelings. So we need to overcome that vortex of the consciousness that says, I want this, I want this, I like this, I don't like that. When you've overcome all those vortices, the energy coming up the spine is not sucked off into these little eddies on the sideline of the stream, and everything can flow up toward God. What prevents a worldly person from seeing God is the fact that his mind, his spine, his consciousness have all these little vortices of desire. When you've gotten rid of them, then it becomes very easy to realize God. Like the reflected moon on a lake. Yeah, when the calm, when the, when the ripples are... But we're using the image of the vortex, which is more valid than the movement of the waves. Swamiji, does it mean that really it comes down to every thought we think either pulls our energy up or down? Well, I would think probably true, but uh, you can think of God in such a way as to bring your energy down. Come on, God, I'm mad at you the way you've treated me here. Why are you so unfair to me? That isn't going to bring your energy up. Mm -hmm. So it has to be qualities that raise your consciousness. Kindness, love, forgiveness, kindness. Uh, uh, willingness, all these things, positive as opposed to negative. Swamiji, this is slightly the devil's advocate, but so I'm seeing my horse and I've identified him as my horse. Should I not be happy that I see him? <laughs> well, if you want to get happy about it and say, this is my horse and how happy I am to see my horse, you can do it if you like, but you're going to be more in delusion. A saint will be, will know for example, there was a, a man that said to Yogananda, my boy, you married. He was old enough to be married. Yogananda said, no, the saint said, you're on the safe side. Then he said, uh, he said, I myself am married to a very worldly woman, but she doesn't know where I am now. I've escaped her. <laughs> so he had the wife, but he wasn't attached to her. We should not be attached to what we have, whether it be mother, father, brother, sister, wife, husband, all of that we should see in God, in, in marriage. The, it says in India that the husband should see the wife as the Divine Mother in that form, and the wife should see the husband as Krishna in that form. And when you can do that, then your relationship too becomes sweeter and more beautiful. There's respect there and no demands of the other person. So it sounds like it's, it's an enjoyment, but it's not an enjoyment of that thing. Well, we must enjoy things, but we must understand that enjoyment is inside. 
That's one of the benefits of Kriya Yoga because our reactive process is in the ira and the pingala nerve channels that rise and fall in the spine. And if we can see through Kriya Yoga, we develop that ability to find this joy inside, not outside. So to enjoy beautiful things, a saint in India once told me I shouldn't enjoy anything. I thought that's a very dry approach. Far better what Yogananda said, enjoy everything, but enjoy it with the joy of God. And you can enjoy things with the joy of God when you take them within and saying that it's here that you're enjoying it, not there. So if you're enjoying having that horse inside, that's fine. But if usually because it's something outside as a possession, you have to feed it and take care of it and groom it, then it can become a bond. And I would recommend not having that joy. Okay? Done. <laughs>